Hello. Welcome to the Fantastic Fiction at KGB podcast. I'm Rajan Khanna. Fantastic Fiction at KGB is a monthly reading series held on the third Wednesday of every month at the famous KGB bar in Manhattan's East Village. Fantastic Fiction is hosted by Ellen Datlow and Matthew Kressel and features up-and-comers and luminaries in the fields of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. The following audio was recorded live at the KGB bar, so please excuse the various background noises, bumps in the night, and other disturbances that you might hear. It's a live reading in New York City, and anything can and often does happen. And now, on to this month's reading. We hope you enjoy the following recording, and we thank you for listening. We're going to get started again. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. We're uh, we're gonna get started again with Elizabeth Bear. Um, as as Ellen as Ellen said uh, earlier, uh, you know the KGB Bar has been hosting us for uh, almost 20 years now, and and uh, it's always free. Well, all we ask is that you buy a drink, hard or soft, tip your bartenders, and. Uh, I would normally I say we have books for sale in the back, but we actually sold out. So thank you, thank you, and thanks to Word Bookstore. They're always here. They're always uh, selling books for us. Uh, Word Bookstore in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and Jersey City. Please support your local bookstores. Um, just brief announcement of upcoming readers. Next month, May 18, Ellen Clages and Victor Laval. June June 15th, Mark Laidlaw and TBD. Uh, July 20th, David Levine, Helen Marshall. August 17th, Leanna Renee Heber. September 21st, Alyssa Wong, Laird Barron. October 19th, Jack Ketchum and Caitlin R. Kiernan. November 16th, yours truly will be reading with John Langan. December 21st, excuse me, December 21st, Sarah Pinsker and Livia Llewellyn. January 18th, Holly Black and Fran Wild. So we got an awesome rest of the year and early next lined up for everybody. So I uh, hope you can join us for that. Uh, our next reader is Elizabeth Thayer. Elizabeth Thayer was born on the same day as Frodo and Bilbo Baggins, but in a different year. She's the Hugo, Sturgeon, Locus, and Campbell Award-winning author of 27 novels. The most recent is Karen Memory, which we sold out of. Thank you. A Weird West Adventure from Tour and over a hundred short stories. Here's Elizabeth Bear. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to KGB. Thank you all for coming out tonight. This is my third or fourth KGB. Now suddenly I can't remember. Ellen, do you third, right? Third? Some. I've done some. I've done some other readings for you. Right. And um, I'm supposed to tell some of you that Kelly Lagore says hello. Hi, Kelly. She wishes she were here. And the rest of you... No message for you. <laughs> <laughs> the Carmen San Diego Hat Club will be collecting all of your valuables before you leave. So, 
I have brought uh, an unpublished short story. So again, please don't put this one on the internets. It's for you guys. Um, this is with apologies to Patrick Rothfuss. <laughs> and uh, it's dedicated to my college gaming buddy, Greg Rothhauser, whose Chirurgeon joke I stole. Um, it's called The Trollbane. And hopefully I'll be able to get through the whole thing. So. A cold wind blew him into my tavern, and I knew right away that he was going to be good for an evening's entertainment. The lute slung over his shoulder was done up in a tapestry case, and the green hat cocked on his head trailed pheasant and peacock plumes. He bellied up to the bar as well as he could, not having much belly to speak of. He had the wiry physique of the kind of scald or troubadour who spends his time walking beside wagons, rather than the plumped up court subspecies and he slid a silver penny across my artfully scarred counter. I spent a lot of time with fine grit and with wax making those gouges look rough and feel smooth. People like a rustic hair almost as much as they hate splinters in their elbows. Brew or press, I asked, which is worse? I'd go for the ale personally, though the local red's rough, but not too bad if you sugar it. And there's an actual lamb in the stew pot today. Ale then, stew, brown bread and butter comes with. I vanished the coin into my apron pocket, or made it look like I had. Actually, I slated it to my holdout in my sleeve. Never leave your money where they expect it to be. <laughs> he dropped his pack beside the stool and settled one cheek with a footstore sigh I recognized. I'm Tig. Is this Stratford? It is. He wasn't more specific, so neither was I. I slid the ale in front of him. Sean, he said. I nodded. Sean Inman, Jody, one of the regulars, came by, and I held my tongue and slid him a pint of bitter without waiting to be asked. He left his penny and went back to his dice game in equal silence. Then I wiped the foam off my hand, made eye contact with the bard, and gestured left and right to the rafters in the overhanging gallery. It's an inn, isn't it? If you're here to serve papers, though, you need to talk to my wife. Maul owns the place. It was her dad's. I'm married in. Are you the Sean formerly of Sean Sinners? Where'd you hear that name? I heard it around, he said. His eyes flicked to the broad axe above the back bar. We even had a looking glass. Civilization. I heard there was a fellow by that name around here. Used to be called the Trollbane. I shrugged and made one of those non-committal noises we bartenders specialize in. He tasted the ale, looked at it respectfully, and took a deeper pull. Maul's a good, good brewer, and we grow our own hops against the south wall of the barn. Special fertilizer. <laughs> no, not what you're thinking. There's a mere dragon warren up north off the moor. The guano could make peaches grow from rocks. They're nocturnal, and it's pretty safe to pass by their den as long as you stick to daylight. Also, I'm sneaky. The bard was looking at me expectantly. I turned around to slide his order out of the window. Maul looked at me through it, the silver threads in her black braid shining in the light from her ovens. Bard, she asked. I rolled my eyes. Extra butter, I answered. She gave me that look that translates as, I know what you're up to and I love you anyway, or maybe because of it, try not to start any wars. <laughs> I kissed her through the transom and took the stew. When I said it before Tig the bard, he ca caught my eye. How do you come to retire as the landlord of a public house? Technically, I said, it's a tavern and inn. 
he sampled the Sioux. Stew. This is <laughs> that too. <laughs> Special fertilizer. <laughs> he sampled the stew. This is really good. We feed the lambs on rosemary stems, pressed apples, and spent hops, I said. Graze them in the salt meadows. Grow our own rosemary. He looked at me over the hunk of bread he was using as a spoon, eyebrows raised. A bard with a nose for bullshit? I shrugged. Wonders never. <laughs> He set the bread down in the bowl, but paused to lick a smear of butter off his finger. Worth it. Mole does the butter, too. You say your wife is the cook? And the brewer. And the owner. It's entailed to her grandfather's blood. It'll go to our girls when we're gone. He savored another sip of ale. I rescind my question about how you came into this line of work, then. <laughs> Harpus likes your ale, hon, I called over my shoulder. Thanks, Mole called back. She's just as glad to have me handle the customers. Saves on bar fights. She's not what you might call conciliatory. <laughs> Tig said, I'll be honest with you. I didn't come here by sense, sir, chance, Sir Shun. Please don't call me that. He nodded and sipped his ale. Too modest, or does it bring back memories of lost friends? Whatever makes the better song. I polished a glass, or two. He was a tidy eater, not too many crumbs on the bar top. He tried again. It would be worth something to me to hear a few fireside tales from the Trollbane. I have everything I need. A sweep of my hand took in the tables, the hearth, the punters clustered around both. Our eldest, Gwen, sidestepped old Bill the ostler as he grabbed for her haunch. She kicked him in the shin. Oi, Bill, I shouted. Try that again and your ale cost double. He shot me a dirty look. I pointed to the ax on the wall over my head. You want to take it up with Lucy or do you want to find someplace else to do your drinking? Maybe I'd get lucky and he'd take his custom to the public house in Stratford, north of Tyne. That inman is Maul's kin, too, and he'll be likely to lose a hand if he tried it there. Muttering, old Bill hunched over the remains of his ale like a vulture. I watched him until he settled, then turned back to the bard. You were saying... Oh, uh, one moment. Gwen came back to the bar for another load of tankards, and I pulled them for her. As I put the last one on her tray, she hopped up, leaned over the bar, and kissed my hairy cheek. I can handle myself, Daddy. I know, I said. I'd given her the dagger that lived in her sock top, after all. <laughs> but in my house, you don't have to. She sighed at me, the dolorous size of a misunderstood teen. <sighs> the dolorous size of mis misunderstood teenage girls are only equaled by the dolorous size of large dogs. This is what happens when you crack yourself up in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> the dolorous size of misunderstood teenage girls are only equaled by the dolorous size of large dogs and never exceeded, and went back to work with a flip of her skirts. Fine girl, the bard said, his eyes following her, on her straight shoulders and not on her ass, so I didn't have to mop up any blood. <laughs> you must be proud. And worried, I answered. He was ready for another ale, and I provided it. Fireside tales, he suggested. I snorted. Isn't that your department? They spring from somewhere, he replied. The closer to the source we drink, the truer the draft. It sounded like something a bard would say, and think clever. I drew myself a pint of Molly's Black and glanced over at Gwen. The dinner crowd was starting to thin out and the travelers to head up to their rooms. They'd need their sleep. The staging co coaches left early. Soon, it would be down to the serious drinkers, the seriously lonely, and a few courting couples not yet ready to call it a night and head home to their bachelor beds to dream of one another. Or maybe off to a convenient hayfield if they filled up to a little scandal. None of them were going to require a lot of attention. And Gwen had it all under control anyway. She really was better with the customers than me. 
So I sipped the black, malty, rich, with a head like whipped cream, and thought about how lucky I was, a rogue like me, to find myself settled here when so many of my former colleagues were corpses in ditches and bones scattered on stony slopes. And I owed it all to my sister-in-law. What's the true tale of the troll, he asked, when I'd been dreaming at the fire a little while. I didn't look at him. Nobody wants true tales. A bard should know that, shouldn't he? He drained the tankard. I gave it a wipe, a wipe out with a cleaning rag and refilled, giving him the strong ale this time. We age it in brandy barrels, and it goes down like silk. I slid it back to him, and he drank, smiled, and asked, This is also Moles Brewing? It is. She got a sister? As a matter of fact, she does, I said. You thinking of settling down? I glanced up at Lucy meaningfully. She glittered darkly on the wall, her edge still keen. She needed dusting. I'd better get on that or mo before Mull's family noticed. Ah, the bard said with a laugh that made me, light him better, uh, made me like him better because it was rueful rather than sarcastic. I see you've identified my species. You didn't answer my question about the truth. I thought it was rhetorical, he said. He sipped the ale again and frowned thoughtfully. I guess I feel like there is a truth in stories, even made-up stories, because even if they aren't true themselves, they say true things about people or at least things people need to hear. I guess that makes you as much use as an innkeeper. I rolled the black around on my tongue while he smiled. He said, might come in useful to somebody someday to know how to defeat a troll. Duck fast, I said, swing hard, use fire. <laughs> Get lucky, now you know everything I know. So you don't think anybody wants the truth, he persisted. Not in my experience, I said. Look, you've traveled. He nodded again. The rueful twist of his mouth said, plenty. Spend any time in the wilderness? Been in a fight? Eh, one or two. I sipped my black. How'd it compare to a song? He took a long pull of the strong ale and conceded the point. But trolls, trolls and dragons, I said. Liches and the like. They're natural disasters. You just try to live through them and clean up the mess afterward. He drained his tankard and I filled it again. He would have held his hand over it, but I said, on the house, and he was too much of a professional to say no. <laughs> Never interrupt when the interview victim is feeling magnanimous. Take the time to get into it with the undead mammoth. Sorry, take the time we got into it with the undead mammoth, I said big as a fucking temple with a great rotting dick swinging underneath it like a stallion in rut and the smell of the thing like 600 open graves somebody had pissed in I still have nightmares and no lie he gave me an eyebrow professional respect I thought and took an absent-minded pull of his ale I'm no troubadour but I flatter myself that I tell a good tale and I've never actually caught Mole rolling her eyes when I get going <laughs> That's the married people. <laughs> Which either means Maul's more tolerant and sneakier than most men's wives, or that I have less of a tendency to repeat myself than most women's husbands. At least judging by the looks I see on the women's folks' faces when their men get to rolling, there's not much escapes a tapman if he's doing his job. Gwen rolls her eyes at me, sure, but she's my daughter. It's her job. <laughs> so what did you do, he said when I'd let it drift a moment or two. I wasn't quite sure if I'd set the hook or if he was playing me, but decided to pursue on the, proceed on the assumption that I could work with either option. Got trampled, I said. 
He barked a laugh while I sipped, and then he mirrored my action. That was good. He was focusing on cementing a bond between us, and I probably could have picked his pocket twice while he tried to ooze charm. Mostly, we got the hell out of the way. We, he said. Sean Sinners. That started as a joke, you understand, I said. What you're talking about here isn't so much a mercenary company as problem solvers? A mercenary company is bigger, for one thing. So you got the hell out of the way. Sure, and lured it down a slope under a bluff. How are you going to fight a hairy undead elephant with an axe? Og, we called her the Chirurgeon, you know. She was a half-ogre. The Chirurgeon? She did brain surgery. <laughs> with a lucerne hammer, you know. <laughs> ah, he said. He sipped his ale. Well, she wasn't really quick enough to run in front of the thing, so she'd gone around and gotten on top of the bluff, and she was strong. Half ogre, he said. Right, said I. He sipped and gestured for me to carry on. Ah, she shoved a boulder the size of a wagon down on it. Didn't kill it, of course, but smashed it up pretty good and pinned it down. There's a song about that one, too. It ends with a single combat, he said. No half ogre. Yeah, I said. Your stew's getting cold. It's a sin not to eat Mole's cooking. I turned away to pass a plate of bread and cheese and a pair of tankards to Gwen. The bread smelled amazing, and I realized I hadn't eaten a thing. I was about to ask Mall for some bread and cheese and a pickle of my own when she slid it through the window into my hand. Can you pass me a nail, she said, mopping sweat from her brow with a bunched-up apron. There's a love. When I tended to my wife, I turned back to the bard. He'd followed my orders and was chewing reverently. He swallowed. Washed it down, small spice as well, but heavy enough that we sell a bit more ale, and said, so what happened to Og? Troll, I answered. She took the brunt of it, really. Saved my life, but I bet you haven't heard that either. It's all about Sean this, Sean that. He finished his bread while I smeared soft cheese on mine and took a bite. I swapped his tankard for a full one while he was chewing, eyes closed. The old sleight of hand comes in handy sometimes. So, he said, when he opened his eyes again, I was leaning against the mirror, looking innocent. You admit there was a troll. Troll's a matter of public record, I replied. Then I told him the one about the manicure. <laughs> Seven and a half pints of Maul's Best and three silver pennies later, Gwen and I carried that bard out to the stable out back. The wind snapped my cheeks and rolled him into an empty stall. We kicked enough hay over him so he wouldn't freeze overnight and rolled him on his side so if he lost Maul's good ale, he wouldn't drown in it. Hadn't meant any harm, and so I even left him a bucket of clean water. He'd want it when he woke up. <laughs> we went back inside. Gwen scrambled up the ladder into the loft to wrestle her sisters for a corner of the straw tick, and I climbed the stairs to mine in Mole's room. She was in bed. I stripped off and climbed in beside her. My skin must have been like ice, but after the first flinch, she cuddled close and wrapped herself around me, an oasis of warmth and comfort in the dark. She kissed my bald spot and said, He'll be disappointed that you didn't tell him about the troll. Why should I tell him about a troll? He'd go away faster. <laughs> and there'd just be more. Anyway, I don't want to tell him about the troll. Every story I told tonight was true. More or less. She sighed and curled closer, warm and solid. I draped an arm around her. Think he'll ever figure it out, figure it out that this is Stratford south of Tyne and Stratford north of Tyne is on the other side of the ferry? Odds are poor. I kissed her hair. Besides, you know your kin's good and tired of being hassled by the buggers. Your kin now, too. 
I sighed, but it was a happy sound. There was something to be said for marrying your old partner's sister when you settled down from the mercenary life. <laughs> Are you ever sorry, she asked, snuggling against my side. She was a good, warm armful, all pillowy curves. Sorry? Do you miss the adventure? I laughed. Do you mean, am I sorry I followed my shieldmate home to her family and married her sister? Am I sorry I married an innkeeper's daughter and inherited half of the family business and gave up picking locks and clamoring across rooftops and waiting to be stabbed in the back while I was trying to stab somebody else? Well, she said, and sniffed, pulling away playfully. When you put it that way. Oh, come back here. I tugged her again into the crook of my arm, where she settled with a comfortable sigh. I kissed her graying frizz. I'm more worried that your sister will be mad at me for feeding that guy a line of bull about her. Well, Sean? Well, I said, we made a good team because I was the thief and she was the warrior. And now I've stolen her name, stolen her sister, moved into the family home, and I'm swiping her legend. <laughs> Feeling guilty about your good deed? I sighed and stretched out, staring into the darkness toward the underside of the thatch. It's up there somewhere. Wondering if it really was a good deed, maybe. What if she wanted to talk to him? <laughs> when has Sean wanted to talk to anybody? Maul poked me in the ribs. Anyway, you've had the name as long as she has. Well, not the Inman part. Saved her life, had your life saved by her, helped her fight a troll. Yeah, got clunked in the head right off by the warty gray thing and only lived through it because she stood over him with a battle axe and hewed it to bits. It's the effort that counts, she said. <laughs> Besides, she gave you Lucy. I thought about it. Sean, the other Sean of the Sinners, the one we all really followed, never wanted to be the hero of a tale. She was tough and smart and held herself with an axe to hand. And after the troll, after the one that only she and I walked away from, she hadn't even been able to look at that axe. But she hadn't been able to pitch it into a cave or sell it either. So she'd given it to me, and I'd gotten her home, and I'd met Maul in the process. And here we were. And Sean Trollbane didn't want a damn thing to do with bards or with legendary. I nodded. Mole must have felt me move against her hair because she said, think he'll try again tomorrow? I said, if his head is good for it. You keep the strong ale coming. I've got a story about a mirror dragon all lined up. <laughs> Thank you very much. Unfortunately, there are no more books left, I don't think. Are there any books left? No. None? Wow. Of everything? Wow. This is the first time I think this has ever happened. You guys are right. good at being a captive yeah. audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And see you next month, I guess. Is there anything else I need to say? No. See you all next month. Thank you very much for doing this. <laughs> Hang out a little while. You can still drink. You have been listening to the Fantastic Fiction at KGB podcast, recorded live at the KGB bar. We hope you enjoyed what you heard, and we thank you for listening. We also wish to thank Gordon Linzer for providing the audio, and Rajan Khanna, that's me, for the introduction and farewell. And always, thanks to our many fans of Fantastic Fiction at KGB for supporting us all these years. See you next month. <laughs>